This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Well, I'll tell you what, I've, I've, I'm more excited about God than I've ever been, and I've always been excited. I'm just so thrilled to get to live in the last of the last days. You know, I've heard, I've heard believers talk before about if we could have only been there in the book of Acts when they saw Jesus go up. Well, guess what? We're the generation gets to see him come back. Hey, man. In, in Acts, in Acts chapter two, when the apostles were standing there and that crowd was standing there, a lot of people were there. They said that says there was an angel appeared to him and the angel said, why are you stand here gazing? He said, this same Jesus you see going up is going to come back in like manner. We're the generation that gets to see Jesus. How many believe that? Amen. How many are alive this morning? How many are awake this morning? How, how many come this morning to know Jesus better? To have more of Him in your lives? Amen. Well, I, I'll tell you what. We just laid hands on people what hands laid on them. And whether you felt anything or not, that has nothing to do with the Word of God. Word of God says, holy men of God, lay hands on believers as impartation. And I'll tell you what I found out in my life, what I feel the least is what I get the most. Second Corinthians 5, 7 says we walk by faith, not by sight. And so a lot of times new Christians, baby Christians have to feel something, know they got something. But mature Christians, people that start knowing God, they know they got something because the word of God says they got something. Amen. So this morning, if you didn't feel a thing, that means you got the most. And so you just hang on to it. And you just, whatever it is, been trying to pull on you that God had me call out. That thing tries to knock you and say, nope, devil, off limits. I've been set free. Word of God says I'm free. And my pastor laid hands on me and I received an anointing to enforce that. Amen. Give the Lord a shout again. Amen. How many need a sermon outline? If you do, hold up your hand. Ushers have sermon outlines to put in your hand. And then also... Uh, you notice that the title is The Key to Answered Prayer. And we're going to be talking about faith today. And I went back to our bookstore to see some things. And, you know, I, I just want to say this again, what I said when I was calling people out a minute ago. I say about my life, I'm going to show you some things out of the bookstore. I'm going to tell you why you need these things. It's not that the church wants to make money off the books. We make a little bit so we replenish the supply. And everything in there goes back right into ministry anyway. It replenishes the supply. Well, I got bored again. I was a single man back in, uh, God started drawing me back in 1979. I got bored again on January 29th, 1980. And I started, I started seeking God back at the end of 79 because I knew there was more to life than what I, what I was experiencing. I mean, I got, I got tired of drinking. I got tired of smoking. I got started, tired of running around to the bars and all that stupid stuff. Well, I knew there was more, but just stopping something didn't give me the more. I had to go for the more. You know, it's one thing, quit doing something, but you still, you got a gap you got to fill. You got a void you got to fill. And so I started going to church, trying to find God. And finally, I went to a place where they knew God and the Holy Spirit, etc. Long story short, when I got born again, I found out that Jesus was a real person. And how can Christians backslide? I don't understand it. If you know that Jesus is real, how could you ever turn back? Well, anyway, I'm thinking about what I'm going to be teaching on today. And I just was, as we was worshiping God up here, I was going through my life as a young Christian. I knew what stupid was because I used to be stupid, live stupid. I, it's stupid thinking anything's going to take care of your life 
except Jesus. And so I knew that when I found out he was real, I wasn't doing everything about him I could. And so the Lord had me uh, find, a, find an apartment to live in. It wasn't an apartment house like you see. It was this old woman's house that had a really old house in Indianapolis, a part of town I'd never been to. God led me to this place. And the woman had her basement picked up for an apartment. She rented some old guy. And she rented her upstairs to me and she lived on the main floor. Well, this was before we had all the internet stuff, didn't have all the satellite TV and just all the stuff. She had one great big old, and older people will know what this is, a big old wooden television set. You know, if a screen in a big wooden set, you roll around like that. First thing I did when I moved into that apartment, I took that TV set and I unplugged it. I took it over to the far corner of the house and I put it up against the wall so I'd never see it again. No TV is a part of my life. That TV, when I lived that place there, I lived there about probably about three years. The only time that TV ever came out, I had two little girls from my first marriage. I was a divorced man. I was a single dad. When they come on weekends a few times, I let them pull it out to watch cartoons on Saturday morning. Other than that, I didn't know the TV was there. I wasn't influenced by it anymore. I knew that all the things out there in the world that influenced me before, I didn't need now. I already, I already knew how to sin. I didn't want to learn more about sin. I want to learn how to live right. And so that TV was in the corner. And I went to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, and they had church Thursday night and Friday night. I went to church Thursday night and Friday night. Then they had special things, but I went to all those things. And so what I did, I had my church life, I had no TV, and then I discovered, I, I drove semis. And so I discovered, when I, as a new Christian driving down the road, I, I started, I found a man named Kenneth Hagin on the radio. And then I found Kenneth Copeland on the radio. And Jerry Savelle on the radio. And Marilyn Hickey on the radio. And lot, lots of great faith people. R.W. Schambach, you guys probably don't know none of those guys. But anyway, Charles Capps. And so faith people that taught the Bible, I went down the road by city route in Indianapolis. And I, I, I tried to time my stops in between where I can listen. Oh, Kenneth Hagin's coming out at 9.30. I want to make sure that i got long distance between these next two so I can listen to him for 15 minutes. Uh, Kenneth Copeland's on now. i got to make sure I don't get there too early or I'll miss Kenneth Copeland. And so in between my customers, I tried to make sure I tied them with my faith teaching. So I listened to those guys every day, five days a week, all morning long, driving to getting paid for it to listen to those guys. I got fed with those guys, what they were doing. And then when I got home at nighttime, I had my Bible on a nightstand beside my bed. And I started learning verses. I'd hear these guys talk about verses. And so I'd have my Bible opened up to verse I need to learn about faith, about healing, about tithing, about giving, about walking in love, walking in forgiveness, about confession in my mouth. Things I need to know. The TV wasn't on, had no stupid cell phones to try to steal my time. And so I had my Bible laid beside my bed. I'd go to bed with it open to a verse I was learning. And I'd lay there, going to sleep, praying, and quote that verse out loud. And then if I woke up in the middle of the night, I'd try to remember the verse. I'd turn on the light and look at the verse again. I kept, that's how I became a walking Bible. I did that, and then I learned a secret off my pastor about writing verses on three by five cards. A little piece of paper. I'd write those down, and so in my semi, there's lots of stuff on the dashboard we have to watch gauges and stuff like that. I'd put little yellow stick of notes. I'd put three by five cards up there. I looked out my fuel gauge. I looked down at my tachometer, my speedometer, or my air gauges. All I saw was Bible verses. I didn't cover up the gauges, but I had them beside him. So I looked to see how fast I was going. I saw Hebrews 11.6. I wanted to see how much air pressure there was. I saw 1 Peter 2.24. I kept on learning verses, learning verses. Then I took those, 
And I put them on my refrigerator in my apartment. I put them on my walls. I carried them in my pocket. I bought, I used to hear Brother Hagin talk about little pocket New Testaments. So I went to the Christian bookstore, I found one. And so I carried a little pocket New Testament. And if I was at a warehouse or a business, and I, I did my part, backed my truck up to the door, I opened my truck, I opened my truck door so they come in and get the skids off whatever I had. And while I was waiting, I was sitting down on a box or something. I'd pull out either a three by five card, start reading verses. I'd pop my New Testament and read, read Bible things if I could. But what I'm telling you is this. I'm praying for this church to have people that hungry for the Word of God. That's how I got the victory. That's how my son got healed of leukemia and not been a cripple anymore when he was little. That's how I got healed of stage four blood cancer and heart disease with no damage and all those kind of things because I'm full of the Word of God. And so what am I saying today? As we teach the Word of God today, I gave you a little brief synopsis of my life. That's what I did to get to where I am, and I'm still like that. Because I found out that if I want to live long, live strong, if I want to have faith for my prayers to get answered for my kids and my grandkids and my church people, there's only one thing I can do, do what I did that got me the victory 40 years ago, and teach you and keep on doing it. Amen? And so as we're teaching today, I pray that this fire I've got spreads to you. You see, you see the importance of this. And you can enjoy life. You can raise kids and go to ball games and go to the beach and go to the parks and stuff like that. But the whole thing is, you don't work your church time and your Bible time around those things. You work those things around your time with God and church things. Amen. And when you do that, when the attack comes, you're ready for it. You can laugh. You can laugh at the devil. Because you know what the answer is. He's going down and you're going up. Amen. Somebody shout again. Okay, I want to show you some things I picked up out of the bookstore now. This is called Bible Faith Study Course by Kenneth E. Hagin. Bible Faith Study Course by Kenneth E. Hagin. It's Bible school type stuff back there in the bookstore. And you can, you can have these your own self to go through. Man, you can read this and study these for years and years and years and years. And when I teach what I'm teaching today... I, I pray that you're hungry enough. You'll want to buy some resources that'll take, be in your library. And I'll tell you something about my faith library. I've got at home my own stuff. I've got, how many books you think? I've got Bibles. I don't, thousands, she said. Yeah. Because I found out the start of my Christian life, I needed more than just a little two-verse daily Bible devotional. And so I've always bought books. And so for my library, I've had giveaway books, but i got my books that don't give away. They're my books. And so if I'm going to give away books... I don't give away books on my library unless I already know I've got a replacement. Because I want to make sure I've got my resources. And there's, here, here's, uh, Kenneth Copeland's a couple books. Here's this book called Faith to Faith in Spanish and Faith to Faith in English. This is the Kenneth Copeland devotionals. And I'll tell you what, if you ever want to know some fanatical people, it's the Copelands. They got their own TV network now, got lots of faith people on their, on their network and things like that. But these devotionals here are good, meaty teachings in little short form. You can read one every day, get your day started. And if you don't have time at breakfast time, do it at lunch time. But these things here will help you get immersed in the Word, saturated with the Word. And you know, uh, I, when I say that, I think about my life, what I've lived. I think about Christians like me that have been serious about this, what I know is this. How many know what a sponge is? If you get a sponge full of vinegar, you squeeze the sponge, what comes out? Vinegar. You get a sponge full of milk, what comes out? Okay, you get a sponge full of water, what comes out? 
you get you get a sponge full of dirty mop water, what comes out? Clean water, what comes out? When a sponge gets squeezed, what's in it? That's what comes out. You get a Christian full of CNN or NBC or Internet or Facebook or whatever it is. You squeeze them at the time of crisis, what comes out? Stupid stuff. You get a Christian full of the Word of God, full of the Holy Spirit, and the devil begins to squeeze them, put pressure on them, what comes out? No, devil, by Jesus' stripes I was healed. No, devil, I don't hold on against people. I forgive. Jesus said, I forgive, I'm forgiven. No devil in the name of Jesus, I'm a tither. You can't steal my money. No, 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 no. In Jesus' name, God rebukes the devourer for me. Devil, you're rebuked. Instead of, oh, what we going to do? Oh, God, is it Sunday again? Oh, Lord, I played too much yesterday all day long. And i got to make a lot of money this week. So I'll have time for work. I'll have time for play. But God, I don't have time for you on Sunday morning. Oh, we got some good stuff back there. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. Amen. Hebrews 11, verse 6. And I'm trying to keep this really simple today because the Bible is simple. You know, I was talking to somebody the other day about uh, some different religious people messed up in life and, and they look at the same verses that we look at in the Bible like that. They see something entirely different and negative about it and try to build a life of sin around things or a life of hurt like that, said, said, how could they go to church and not understand that? I said, it takes the help of the devil. You know, people that are religionized, instead of the New Testament taught, they see the Word of God different. You know, I just think about my life, the way I look at things. The world has a lot of good sayings that sound good to, you know, the Bible. But how many know they think this is positive? Well, why can't the glass be... Uh, Half full instead of half empty. That's not Bible. Jesus said in Psalms 23, my cup runneth over. So my glass is not going to be half full. It's not going to be half empty. My cup's going to runneth over. You know, you start to see things. And, you know, I think about the thing, you know, have you ever heard the thing, if it weren't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all? Well, luck's part of the curse. If it wasn't for good blessings, I'd have no blessings at all. I'm redeemed from the curse. I don't have luck. I walk in the blessing of God. And, you know, I used to hear this saying, people say, I said, well, they're poorer than a church mouse. Well, you know what I always said as a pastor? If we're going to have a mouse, it's not going to be a poor one. We're going to have a rich mouse. You know, let the, ta- let the tavern have the poor mouse. Why do they always have to put all the negative stuff on churches and on Christians? You, you understand what I'm saying? You know, I hear, the, hear this thing uh, sticks out like a sore thumb. Well, why can't it be a healed thumb? No, I'm just thinking about my life with the Holy Ghost, the Word of God in me. If my, if my thumb got hurt, my thumb was sore, first thing I'd do is what Jesus said. I'd get hands laid on it. And then say, my thumb is healed. Amen? Amen. Blind as a bat, man. Why can't you see like an eagle? No, Moses, Moses said he was 120 years old, said he had perfect vision. And so why can't we start agreeing with the Bible and we're squeezed and the pressure comes on? Why doesn't the word come out? I'll tell you why it doesn't come out. Because you got too much internet in you. You got too much Facebook in you. You got too much social media in it. So when times, times of trouble comes, then all you think about is who, who can I get to pray for me? I'll tell you what, there's nobody better to pray for you than you when you get filled up with faith. So that's what we're talking about. Some, somebody clap or shout again. Uh, no sleeping today. 
Amen. And so we're talking about the key to answer prayer. And by the way, I didn't even know the title of this message until after it was written. I was on the last the last couple of things I was doing, and then I saw, wow, this is about prayer. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 says this. Say this. Read this out loud with me. You ready? But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is rewarder of them that diligently seek him. This verse has been rising up out of my spirit for the past, I'd say, at least two or three months, just all the time when I go to my Bible in the morning time, but keep thinking Hebrews eleven six. And so I've been, I've been just looking at this and reading it and meditating on it for just two or three months and hadn't even thought about teaching on it until this week when I was praying about what to teach. But anyway, I've known this verse since I was a young Christian. I've taught on it many times the last 35 or 40 years. I started preaching in 1981, the spring of 1981, so that's been a while back. But I've, I've taught this verse so many times over the years. But it's going to come out from a different way today than I've ever seen it because of what he wants to show you. And so I want to just keep it real simple to help all of you, no matter what your level of maturity is in Christ, to help you see and understand your Heavenly Father on a more intimate level so you can live and enjoy more of the victory and the good life that Jesus gave his life for you to enjoy. You know, in a church like this, you've been taught the Bible so many, so many different directions on what God has for you. How many in this church believe that Jesus died for more than you just get to go to heaven? He wants you to have more of heaven while you're in this life. And so the only way you're going to enjoy it more is to get a hold of things like we're going to look at today from the Word of God. And so I'm a pastor and a teacher. At Jeremiah 3.15, God said, I'll give you pastors with my heart, with my heart which will feed you with knowledge and understanding. It's one thing to know what the Bible says. It's another thing to understand it. Amen. And then, you know, James 1.22 says, Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. And so it's not, it's not how much you hear and know, it's how much you hear and do. That gets results. And so anyway, I want to break this verse down today as a Bible teacher to open your spiritual eyes to be able to see and understand what to do with this. And like I said, this is the first time as far as I remember God's ever had me teach it this way. So I'm going to look at a few things in this and breaking it down. So the first thing is this. It says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. And, you know, that that part there... Sounds like it'll be self-explanatory, but we're going to look at this verse. And so faith, for your fill-in-the-blanks, faith is one of the major doctrines and themes of the entire Bible. Faith is one of the main doctrines and themes of the entire Bible. There's so many different things we can say at this, but I'm going to stay on course for what God told me to do this morning. So anyway, uh, just get a hold of this. We have a lot of military people in our church, former military and things like that. And so faith is our main weapon for spiritual warfare to get our prayers answered. How many believe that? Faith is the main weapon in our spiritual warfare to get our, to get our prayers answered. And so how many know the Christians were called faith people? You know, whether you're Baptist or Methodist or full gospel or Whatever you are, Catholic people, they always call us, that's the people of faith. Because the Bible says God's a faith God. 
It takes faith to know Him. It takes faith to get born again. It, it, it takes faith to live in the kingdom of God. So we're people of faith. But since faith is such an important Bible doctrine, when I was praying this morning, I had a little nugget to my thing here. I thought it was really good. And military people, I never was military, but I've, you know, got a lot of military people, my family, etc. And I've heard, heard a few things about what they go through. But how many of you military people ever had to have a rifle that you took apart, blindfolded in the dark or something, so you know the parts, how to put it back together? Was that just a fairy tale they told me? Yeah, one guy? Two guys. Well, three guys. Praise God. Amen. Well, anyway, that's what I was always told, that because the rifle was the best friend they, they had out there in warfare, they better take care of the rifle. And so they would blindfold them, etc., and they'd have to take it apart in the dark and fill the parts and be able to put it back together, reassemble it, without even seeing it, because that was what they needed. If the rifle failed them, if the rifle failed them, they could get killed. Or cause somebody else to get killed because the rifle wasn't right. Faith being the main doctrine, you better know how to disassemble, reassemble. You better know the nuts and bolts of what faith is. It says you can't please God without your faith. And so we can never, ever, 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 ever learn too much about faith. Because when it comes down to it, if you're praying... And you're not praying in faith. Your prayer's not going to get answered unless you get some uh, mercy drops from heaven, which there really aren't any mercy drops. Hey, man, God's a God of mercy, and He's long-suffering, and He'll help you. But when you know how to put your rifle back together, and if it's misfiring, you know how to clean it and make sure it's right. And if you know what kind of ammunition to put in it, and how much, I mean, I know, I know very little all about guns. But I know I've heard enough to know that you got to have the right ammunition. And if things jam, you better know how to unjam it. And then before you get to battle, you better make sure whatever caused the jam's fixed, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Well, the time of battle, if your family's attacked with a serious disease, or marital problems, or something happened, God forbid, you lose your great job. That was impossible to lose your job. But I've seen enough people had those secure forever jobs that they went out of business. If something happens all of a sudden, you don't have that income, you better hope you don't have a misfire of your faith. You better know how to make sure your faith doesn't get jammed up and your faith works. Amen? And so that's the kind of things we're talking about today is about your faith. So faith's one of the main, main, main doctrines and themes of the entire Bible. But then look at this next part of the verse. And we're talking about faith here. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is. He that covers God must believe that he is. I've never seen this verse broken apart like God's got me doing it today. And it really ministered to me. And so this is talking about prayer. If you're coming to God, it's talking about you're coming to him in prayer. That's the only way you come to him is in prayer. And so he that covers God must believe that he is. And, you know, I, I know where I'm going with this. But I want to make sure I get across how the Spirit of God got it across to me, because this part we're looking at right now, I really pray that every heart in this church this morning sees what the Holy Spirit's saying through this part of this verse right here. And I, people listen to this on the Internet. I pray that they see what the Holy Spirit's saying right here. And this will change your life forever and ever and ever. This will change your prayer life. It will change your faith life. 
It'll help you in times of doubt. It'll help you in times of fear if you get a hold of this. It says, he that covereth God must believe that he is. And so a lot of people, including Christians, now listen to this, because I talked to enough of you about our own church that I know this isn't real to you yet. It, a lot of people, including church people, Christians, wish or hope that somebody or something somewhere will help them when they're faced in dire situations. They're just hoping somebody will help them. They're wishing somebody would help them. Well, if you believe that God is, why are you wishing or hoping? If you're coming to Him in prayer, why are you even wasting your time in prayer if you're back to the wish list? Why are you going to Facebook if you just get a thousand likes to get help? The Bible tells us so many different ways that every one of us is God's favorite. If you're one of God's favorite children, why are you wishing that something good will happen in this? Why are you hoping and praying? Hoping and praying gets nothing done. Hope's a very real spiritual law. Verse 1 of this chapter, Hebrews 11 says, Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Well, Hope is prerequisite to faith. If you don't have hope, you can never get into faith. But it doesn't say without hope it's impossible to please God. It says without faith it's impossible to please God. you got to be able to shift from the hope arena to the faith arena. You know, when I see this, I think about, you know, a different generation ago, but a lot of people are old enough to know what film was, you know, in cameras. And they didn't have all this other stuff right now. But anyway, when you took a picture of something, that put hope inside of your camera. You had, you had something in there that needed to be developed. And when it was developed, you got the picture. Well, we as Christians, when we start getting a hold of the Word of God, we hear sermons, faith cometh by hearing. But until you're able to put that into action to get results, all you got on this side is the image. You need to develop it. You need to take time to go to the dark room. Jesus called it the prayer closet. What happens in the prayer closet? In the prayer closet, the things you hear preached this morning, the things you read out of faith books, the things you hear some TV or internet or radio preacher preach that you're hearing that puts some hope in you, if you don't go to your own dark room, your own prayer closet, develop that, then that's all you ever got the image. I know that uh, when we had our cameras before, we go on, we go on a family vacation or something sometimes, and we forget we had a roll of film in the in the camera that we took pictures with. And we'd have sometimes we'd come back, we'd have a half a dozen rolls of film, and we'd leave them laying on the cabinet or somewhere in a corner, and think we'll get these developed. And sometimes it'd be a year or two. Also, we go develop a bunch of film. Goes, wow, look at that! Well, then we got the hope turned into reality. We got to enjoy what it was we saw. And so that's the way it is with this faith we're talking about. You have got to take time to spend enough time where these words out of the Bible become real to you, so real that God's that real to you, and you believe that He is. If He said, lay hands on sick and they shall recover, you don't need 10,000 likes anymore. You don't need to wish you get better anymore. You don't need to go from doctor to doctor to doctor to doctor. 
to person, to person, to person, to person, because you've already talked to the one that is. And when the one that is becomes real to you, then all of a sudden, and by the way, prayer trees, prayer chains, they're not in the Bible. But without having a good prayer chain, it's impossible to please Him. Amen. If you have your connection with your Father and you walk with Him, why do you have to get on the prayer line and call everybody? You know, when you're a new Christian, I was a new Christian back in 1980. When I first got born again and I knew nothing about anything, I had to have some people I could call for prayer because I didn't know how to connect. And then when I come to find out from John 14, 14, Jesus said, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Well, I come to find out, man, why do I have to call the prayer line? I've got a direct line. Jesus said, ask it his name and he'll do it. So I, be, I learned from a very early age, if you're born again one day, you got just as much connection as the man or woman of God's known him for 50 years. Because Jesus is the one that answers their prayers. He'll answer your prayers. And I'm talking to them about the key to answered prayer. He said, when you come to God, you must believe that He is. You know, if He is and you're praying, then what's your problem? And so for prayer to get answered... You must believe that God is real and He's listening to you pray to Him. Why are you praying if you don't believe He's real? And then, I know where I'm heading with this. I'm going to get there without losing you. But I'm thinking about this. I think it's so sad. And in a way, with a father's love, because I'm a spiritual father. As a spiritual father, it really hurts me when I see Christians that sit under the Word of God week in and week out, year in, year out, but the first time of crisis, they don't know what they're going to do. They run to everybody for answers. They turn to everywhere for help. I think, wow, 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 wow. You've heard this and you've heard this and you've heard this and heard this, but you don't believe Jesus is real yet. You know, I'm not, I'm not saying something to hurt you. I'm saying something to help you. Cause he said faith pleases him. And he said for your faith to work, number one, you gotta believe that he is. So if you believe that he is, then why you got the doubt? Well, oh, yeah, the Lord just told me one, th- one reason why I talked about it a while ago. Second Corinthians 5 7 says we walk by faith, not by sight. And so our faith, and there's the faith again. It's a major Bible doctrine. It says faith pleases God. We walk by faith, not by sight. i just say this again. I've used this example before. How many here have ever got to have a visit? This, this, this is just a real question. Have ever got to have a visit to heaven where you got to walk into heaven, see streets of gold, see the throne of God, see mansions? None of us have. We haven't seen that. How many here have seen the Bible and believe it? Amen. Same Bible says, by his stripes you're healed. Same Bible says, bring 10% to God, he rebukes the devourer. Same Bible says it. Same Bible says, he opens the windows of heaven when you tithe. Same Bible says it. The Bible says, 
Love your enemies. That's just as real as I prepare a mansion in heaven for you. Love your enemies. Forgive. Pray for them. Don't curse them. Pray for them. Same Bible. And all those things are walking by faith in the Word of God, not by sight. And so to answer the question I put out a minute ago about why the doubt, the Lord told me pretty quickly. He says, because you're walking by faith by what you see, not by what the Word of God says. To walk by faith and not by sight, when the Word of God says tithe, you tithe. Word of God says forgive, you forgive. Word of God says be faithful to your employer, you're faithful. It says all those things. And so when we begin to walk in obedience to those verses we see, that we're pleasing God because we're doing what he says to do from his word more and more and more and more. And the more you walk like that, the more he's becoming real to you. Amen. You know, I think about us. We're spirit beings. When we die, our body falls over. But our spirit comes out. Well, our spirit is going to be no more closer to God when it leaves the body than it is right now. But the difference is, we have five physical senses. What we see, what we taste, what we feel, what we hear, what we smell. That's our senses. And too many Christians live by what they hear, what they see, what they smell, what they taste, what they touch. Instead of what the Word of God says. And we begin to make that shift. Then we're living like we believe that He is. And we're talking about the key to answered prayer. It says, must believe that He is. And so for prayer to be answered, you must believe that God is real and he's listening. And when a Christian gets the revelation that Jesus is listening as much to you as whoever your favorite Bible teacher is, whether it be me, whether it be a Kenneth Copeland, a Marilyn Hickey, a Joyce Myers, or whoever it is, would you believe that Jesus Loves you as much as he does them. And he's listening as much as he does them. Then you're on the road to bear that kind of faith that always pleases God. Amen. And then I want you to notice this third point. And that he is a rewarder of them that are casual church attenders. Of them that, 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 that consider the tithe to be whatever they want it to be that day. Of them that live like they want to all the time until they have crisis. See, you know, Mrs. Pastor taught a lesson Wednesday night about the ifs of the Bible. And this is one of those if verses. If you diligently seek him, you'll get the full blessing. Of them that diligently seek him, rewarder. So there's an entire Bible study course in this statement right here. I mean, there's so many things in this one little statement right here. Reward them that diligently seek Him. How many know Matthew six thirty three? Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Chuck talked about that at the men's meeting. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, His righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. But you know, uh, I think about in that verse right there, and when, when we were used to be uh, believing for prosperity, but we were poor. Never confessed we were poor, but we were poor. Didn't have a whole lot of anything. But anyway, when we did, Mrs. Pastor had to really go buy grocery list then. And we didn't go to the store at the top of the thing, put Hostess Twinkies, Hostess Ho-Hos, uh, two gallons of chocolate ice cream, 
uh, two cases of Pepsi and all that kind of stuff. All, all the frills, the cookies, that was at the bottom of our list. Our priority was milk, bread, eggs, whatever kind of meat she got to last till we got paid again. She had her priority, put those first. Well, if you're going to seek ye first the kingdom of God, you don't put soccer over here to this, down here to this. Got these people want to get together for pizza and fun, etc., etc. And then God at the bottom of the list, church at the bottom of the list. And then all of a sudden, you're in times of crisis. Well, who can we call? Oh, you go call somebody. Oh, they won't answer the phone. It's Sunday morning. They really go to church. Or, what's well, Sunday night? They're, they're serious. That, that, that's why their prayers get answered. I know because they're really serious about this. We can't call them tonight. We got Christ tonight. Who are we going to call? So you got to call some lukewarmer like you because they're not in church. I know I'm being nice because I prayed I'd be nice. But no, I'm being realistic. If you want, if you want fanatical faith, you live a fanatical life. Amen. Reward of them that judge you seek him. And so anyway, we could teach so much on this whole part, but a couple questions to ask yourself. And how many know that if you're going to be a serious Christian, if you can't be transparent with you first, you're never going to be able to be transparent with God. And if you're not transparent with you to really truly judge yourself, we teach you out of 1 Corinthians 11, the first of every month, about judge yourself, etc., etc. If you can't examine yourself, then you're never really be able to walk with God close like you want to walk. You know, I think about, you know, they got the... Uh, I think they've always told women for years, you know, do a breast examination if you feel anything or see anything, et cetera, et cetera. Then go check it out, find out what's going on. And so this is called a spiritual examination to examine yourself. And if you see something here that's not right, then you got to get help. And the only one you get help from is Jesus and the Word of God. I mean, sit in church, et cetera. There's a couple questions that as I put this together, the Lord had me put out here for us to think about as Christians. Because we want our faith to work. I think about last year, uh, 2018, I spent New Year's Day down at St. Mary's all day long. Came out of there, stage four blood cancer diagnosis. That wasn't a fun thing to hear. And then in August, had that heart attack where the doctor said 99% blockage. That wasn't fun to hear. But guess what? It was quick self-examination time to make adjustments in my life. Because I know, I know this. Satan has no right to attack my health unless I open a door. If I open the door, he can attack. Ephesians 4.27, I'm talking about your, for your life, looking at me, examining me. Ephesians 4.27 says, neither give place to the devil. And so I knew in my life there were things that God was dealing me with to adjust and change in my life. I made adjustments. So what, I, what, what happens out of that? My faith pleased God from Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. He's rewarder. Then what's my reward? Healed. Healthy. Whole. And then somebody said, well, I'm going through some, something too. I hope that happens for me. Hope it won't make it happen. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, my, my so-and-so that I love is going to tell I wish they'd get that. Wish it don't get it. Hope it don't get it. Faith gets it. you got to get past this hope and wish stuff. Amen. And so, a, a couple questions 
And nobody knows the answers to these questions except you. And God. You're the one that will stand in front of God to answer for you. Whether you're a husband or a wife, you're one now. But when you get up in front of Him, you're one with Him. And so anyway, uh, says that, that He's rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. And so your heart of hearts, not your head, shut off your head. In your heart of hearts, do you really believe and expect your Heavenly Father to answer your prayer and do supernatural, impossible things for you in your times of need? Amen. And you know, let me tell you this. And I say this not to do anything away with the Word of God, but it's something you can do. You don't really need to pray about it. You just do things you can do. You know, if you have a flat tire, you can't say, Oh, God sent the angels to change my tire. You know what you can do? Say, Satan, I bind you in Jesus' name because it any harm to come to me while I'm changing my tire. Lord, I thank you that the angels are here protecting me as I change my tire. But guess what? You're the one that's got to get the lug wrench out. You're the one that's got to jack it up. And you know, I know in modern times you got those goofy little donut tire things, man, back when I started driving, all the, all the older people know this, man, we had real tires in our trunk. And we had a real jack too. Remember those? And, and we, and, and we, and we had to have a little of this too to handle those big things. But no, I'm saying this. If there's something you can do, you can pray for God to be with you while you do it to help you. But the whole thing is, you're the one that has to do what you know to do. But then there's things we can't do. I do not know how to cure cancer. But the one that's the healer of cancer lives in me. I know how to make connection with him. Exodus fifteen twenty six calls him Jehovah Rapha. He says, I'm the Lord that healeth thee. He did not say, I'm the Lord that killeth thee. He said, I'm the Lord that healeth thee. So I knew Jehovah Rapha. I knew how to get a hold of him. Amen. I knew how to make a doctor's appointment for the treatments I went through. I knew how to be nice to my wife while she drove me so I wouldn't be a grouch. Because <laughs> my faith works by love. And I was kind of goofy for a while there because I was out of my head because I was just in a stupid place of life. But I knew how to get there and I knew how to believe in the name of Jesus. Every time this doctor sticks this needle in my arm, you're with me. I knew that every time that you put that in my arm, that he's taking care of rebuke the devour from me from those side effects that could have killed me and all that. I knew how to do what I knew to do, but I believed he was rewarder. And so we're looking at these questions right here. Do you really believe that he will supernaturally do the impossible for you? Your back's up against the wall for financial thing. And I'll tell you what, I think about all the years, even before, before I was a preacher, when I was a truck driver, and we lived at R for the truck driving job, and I had these old junk cars. I had to believe God for years to keep junk running. There's no reason those cars should have made it. And we was doing the best we could do. I believed God to do the impossible. To keep the cars going. I believed for the impossible that he'd repair that God would send somebody to work on stuff for me and help me do stuff to keep things going. I believe God for the impossible. And that's what I'm telling about you. When you're in, do you really expect God to do something that no man can do? 
I'll give you one test if you do. Don't go on Facebook. Can anybody do this? If you can't, hit me up. If you believe God's going to do it, I found out Ephesians 3.20 says he's able to do exceeding abundantly. Above all I can ask her face. And so I would rather, I would rather be able to have my connection with heaven. And I, I'll give you an example. A little old lady sitting in the front row right here. A little young lady. I didn't say old, I said, I said old. O-L-E, not O-L-D. The little, the beautiful, the beautiful young bride sitting right here in the middle seat. Hey man, all these years of wonderful honeymoon. I remember one Christmas, when I was laid off, we lived in Noblesville, Indiana. I don't know how many kids we had then, six or eight I guess, but anyway, we had a bunch of them. And I remember, I was laid off, no money, she prayed for Christmas presents for the children. And we lived way out of the middle of nowhere on an 80-acre farm. She sold seed to sent money to Oral Roberts, right? Five dollars to Oral Roberts. Ten. She sent ten that time. Wow. Praise the Lord. That's why I didn't have gas money. No. <laughs> I got where I needed to go. I run, My car ran on faith. Anyway, let me get to this here, what I'm talking about. She didn't tell everybody, would somebody help my poor old family? We don't have any money. My husband's laid off. I don't know what we're going to do. we got all these kids. We're Christians. Will somebody help us? She put a request to heaven. She sent a $10 offering to Oral Roberts. And one day, this woman comes knocking on the door. We didn't know this woman. Turns out she was a mother of somebody she knew where she used to go to church at. She didn't even have a current relationship with the lady she'd go to church with. But this lady's mom, for some reason, and we know the reason, knocks on the door, says, would it offend you if I give your family some things for Christmas? And I wasn't there, but I was, I'd be thinking, you're the answer to this prayer. It won't offend me at all. Offend me if you didn't. Come on in. <laughs> anyway, anyway, this woman bought clothes that's the right size for all the kids, including me and her, bought us clothes. She brought toys that were all the toys that the kids would want. Tools, all new stuff, not junk stuff. She went out and went on a shopping spree with the Holy Ghost and brought stuff for all of us. And we would have bought the El Cheapo brand. She bought the name brands, which I never had before. Bought all really good stuff. And how did that happen? That happened because she believed he's the rewarder. Instead of taking her $10 she had, tried to stretch that out to buy groceries for all these people on $10, and then that would have been the gas money and the groceries and everything. Instead of that, she invested in a man of God and the kingdom of God by faith. We were tithers too. Everything come in, we tithe. So that wasn't a tithe. Tithe went to the church. But that went to Old Roberts. And when that happened, God did exceed abundantly above all we could ask or think. Yeah. But you know what it took? Without faith, it's possible to please Him. And she believed that He is. She believed that He was a rewarder. I call that a reward. That to me, that's a pretty good reward. You know, I'm thinking about another time. I just thought about another supernatural time like that. Uh, I was on TV back in Indiana for years. I, our, our, our church broadcast on TV. On TV... And long story short, one day, we lived, our, our, our road we lived on was called Pumpkin Vine Hill Road. 
it was descriptive of the road. It went up a hill, like a pumpkin vine winding and twining, on a big hill out in the middle of the woods in Morgan County, Indiana. And nobody really knew where that was but God. And yeah. us, we knew where it was at. And so anyway, one day, all of a sudden, we get to knock on the door. And this man is there. And him and his wife wonder if they can come in. And he said, I'm a Catholic and my wife's a Baptist. I thought, well, that's really nice. He said, we live in Indianapolis. And said, we watch you on TV in Indianapolis. And he said, God spoke to both of us to come down here and give you some money. And the guy starts throwing $100 bills on my kitchen table. And then he says, I bet you know what this is for, don't you? And I start saying, oh, I don't, but as soon as he said that, then I did. How many know Liz and Dana come here? Well, they had a son, and they were in Moscow. They were in Russia, and their son was seriously ill, and they needed to get a helicopter fly him out of Russia. And so as soon as he said that, I saw Liz and Dana, because we were leaving God with them for money. And so God sent a Baptist and a Catholic to my house on Pumpkin Vine Hill Road to reward them with their faith. Of course, our faith was hooked up. We said, he gives seed to the sower. We said, Lord, give us something to sow, because we don't have that much. We want to sow. So those people, God got a hold of a Baptist and a Catholic in Indianapolis, and then we didn't have GPS except God's positioning system. We had that GPS. And so GPS God, they found us on Pumpkin Vine Hill Road, and I'll bet you they couldn't found it twice. Yeah. <laughs> and got that money there. What am I talking about? I'm, I'm telling you guys how real this is. We're talking talk about how to get your prayers answered. Man, quit waiting on a feeling. Quit trying to get everybody else's attention. Get God's attention. Amen. As you get His attention, He's better than chemotherapy. Man, He's definitely better than a 20% or 29% loan from the bank or some stupid MasterCard. Well, I'll tell you what, I remember that first advertisement I saw those MasterCards probably... 35 years ago, something like that, I thought, man, nobody's be my master except Jesus. He's be my master. How many have ever seen how MasterCard becomes your master? Amen. That, you let that MasterCard become your master, it tells you you can't tithe this week because you've got to pay the master. You can't take your family to the family union because you've got to pay your master, the MasterCard. FPU classes coming in January or February. FPU, there will be advertisements that if you haven't been, you need to go. Financial Peace University really helped us. Anyway, uh, do you really believe he'll supernaturally help you? And then with them that diligently seek him, diligent means busy, painstaking effort. You're busy for God. You're working for God. So then the second question, are you seriously serving God and putting him first in your life? And, you know, like my little grandchildren say, that's that's an ouchie. You know, if you got an ouchie right now, God will soothe it. God will heal it. How is that? Well, I'll give you an example. Pastor Dave asking for Harvest Fest workers. You know, if you're off your job that night, instead of sitting home and watching some goofy thing or doing something stupid, just say, Lord, I want to help. And then... You know, I know that I don't know about you. I was so self-conscious my life as a new Christian. I wanted them to help me. I prayed, use my faith for I'd ask it. I could help because I didn't want them to turn me down. I did. 
I'd pray and say, Lord, they're doing this. I'd really like to help, Lord. I just ask you in the name of Jesus, give me favor. Or they'll let me step in there and help too, Lord. I want to help. I want to serve. I want to do it. And so, are you busy for God? Are you serving God? You need to pray and ask that question because see the qualification for this verse says God's rewarder of them that are diligent. And, you know, as, as I'm pastoring right now, teaching the word of God, I want this verse to become real to you. I want you to see this. I would like to see your prayer percentage of answered prayer go up from wherever it is. Come up 10%. Come up 20% of your prayer life to where you start praying and you know God shows up and start being like the turtle on the fence post. You know, out in Indiana we knew what turtles were because they walked across our property all the time. We saw turtles go up from stream to stream, lake to lake. We saw turtles. But one thing I found about turtles, they can't climb post. So if you ever saw a turtle sitting on top of the farm fence post, you knew it had help getting there. It couldn't get there on its own. That's how your life should be as a Christian. There ought to be the supernatural taking place in your life where they knew that was impossible for Chuck and Heidi to do that. God had to have done that. Look at Maxine and her life. Well, that Maxine couldn't do that on her own. That took God. That's the kind of thing should be going on in our life. We ought to be able to be living our life to the place that our prayers get answered like that and people look at the copies and they say stuff like, man, I knew they went to church all the time, but boy, I'll tell you what, there's no way they could have done this. That had to have been God did it in their life. And that's what God wants. God wants His supernatural answer to our prayer in our life so real that the doubters and the scoffers, they come to us and they say things like, wow, we know God's real now because look what and then you just tell them very simply, I'll tell you what, without faith it's possible to please Him. I've learned to live by faith. And if you commit your life to Jesus, start obeying Jesus, He'll do those things for your family. Amen. I'm better preaching than you are shouting. And so anyway, are you seriously serving God putting first in your life? Or are you seeking answers and help and relief from everywhere and everyone else and only turn to God when all else fails? Is God your last resort? Or is He your first choice? I read where a great man of God years ago, and you know, I realize this is how I live, and I think a lot of you do too. Now listen to this. This will help. This will really help you. Because people try to make prayer religious duty. They think it's how long they pray, instead of saying, go get the answers. They ask a man of God, said, said, how long do you pray? He stopped and thought about it. He said, he said, I never pray more than 15 minutes. I never go 15 minutes without praying. What that means is this. I was thinking about this because I've got, I've got a big old tractor now. I do stuff on my farm with, move dirt around. i got a dump truck now. Man, I spent the day yesterday filling up the dump truck and moving dirt to the old but It was fun. But anyway, as I'm doing that, I thought about when I was a truck driver. But I was a truck driver, talking to him all day long. I say, Lord, I've come to this place. I know it's hard to back into, and I want to thank you, Jesus, for getting cars out of the way before I get there. So I get there, I can back into there early. And I back up and say, Lord, thank you for helping me back in and not hurt anything. Thank you, Lord, for this. Thank you for that. Driving down the road. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, it's getting close to getting to this place here. Lord, I ask you for all green lights. Give me green lights. And thank, I've been talking to him all the time, just prayer. It, you know, so let me ask you this. Is God your best friend yet? 
Or is he just a religious thing where you think, I've got to set a time and I'm going to pray for two hours today. Yeah, I live my life like that man of God. I, I don't go 15 minutes without praying. I'm in contact with heaven all the time. I don't have to, I don't have to torture myself trying to make myself pray for an hour. But I'll tell you what, the times I've tried to do that, man, I pray and pray and pray and pray. I look at my watch and think, glory to God, I must be here two hours. Ten minutes! <laughs> and, but then when I have my prayer times where I really am, those times where I'm by myself with Him, it's three hours later I didn't even realize I got caught up in it because I was fellowshipping with Him. Not talking at Him. Fellowshipping with Him. Amen. And so, and so anyway, as, as we think about these things, I want to look at Luke chapter 18, and I will start heading this down to the end. But I want to quickly look at this lady here in Luke 18. Have I got your attention? Nobody's asleep? Well, good, we can finish this then. Luke 18, verse 1. Jesus spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray, and not to faint. Well, a parable is a natural illustration to help us understand spiritual truth. And so this parable from Jesus, who was God in an earth suit, help me know that. Jesus was God living in a physical body, earth suit, is explaining what God said in Hebrews eleven six. I didn't know that till the Lord gave me this sermon the other day. This actually explains Hebrews eleven six, about believing that he is rewarder, etc. And so uh he said, men ought always to pray. Verse 2 through 7, I'm going to read this, then comment. Saying, there was in a city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man. And there was a widow in that city, and she came unto him, saying, Avenge me of mine adversary. And he would not. This is talking about this judge, not God. He would not for a while. But afterward he said within himself, Though I fear not God, nor regard man, yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her lest by her continual coming she wear me. And the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge saith. As shall not God avenge his own elect, which cried day and night unto him, though he bear long with them? And so, in this right here, this tells us Jesus said, This is a lady that was getting beaten up in life, like some of you are. A lot of Christians get beaten up in life. And so she was persistent. She went to an unfair human being to help and finally got it. But, verse 8, look what Jesus said. I tell you, he will avenge them speedily. Human beings will put up with you and may yield to you after a while, but said God's not like that. He said, he, God, will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall I find faith on earth. So God is not like the unjust judge. People will let you down. See, Jesus let you know right here. Say, God's not like that. Why don't you just come to him first? Says, God is not like the unjust judge. I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. If you will be as persistent about seeking the things of God as you are about looking to everything and everyone else but God, God will answer your prayers speedily. I want to say this again. This is... The uh, synopsis or the fulfillment of Hebrews eleven six. God will answer your prayers speedily. Living Bible, yes, He will answer them quickly. J.B. Phillips translation, I assure you, 
He will not delay. So the key to answered prayer, nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall I find faith on the earth. Now, i got to close with this last verse. This last verse that was going to go, cause you to go home and maybe even not eat as you feed on this. A verse that's helped me make right choices and have confidence in my heart that God was guiding me and helping me during serious decision-making times of my life. This next verse we're going to look at has been what's helped me in my prayer closet to know I was connected and to know I was going to get my answers. I received my wife by this kind of faith. I was single. I didn't want another dud wife. Or forgive me, Jesus, just say that. I didn't want, I didn't want another dud failed marriage. I wanted a real thing. <laughs> edit that. If it goes on, edit that. <laughs> no. As a sinner, I picked out my own wife. God didn't pick her out. And so as a sinner, I had a failed marriage. I was a Christian now. So I used faith like this to get the one that I have. And she used that and she got me. And so this kind of faith got my wife. My ministry, our ministry in Pioneering Churches in Indiana was with this kind of faith of this verse I'm going to show you. We moved to California and left all behind with this kind of faith. I received healing last year from serious things with this kind of faith. Then God blessed me with a 10-acre ranch. It's almost paid for now, less than a year ago, with this kind of faith. Look at Romans 14.23. Romans 14.23. And for everything else that we've looked at today, for this faith that pleases God, it's a major theme, major doctrine, major way of life. It all comes down Here's how you put it into action. Romans 14, 23. Notice the last part of that verse says, What is not of faith is sin. You know that sin's a blessing blocker? Does your Bible say that? What is not of faith is sin? Well, the Amplified Bible says this. For whatever does not originate and proceed from faith is sin. That is, whatever is done without a conviction if it's approval by God, is sinful. And so, whenever I'm up against the wall in decision-making, how many know that's a pretty big decision to leave Indiana and come to California? That's a long way for us to come. And my dad and my mom were in a nursing home dying. I was able to fly back sometimes and just stay connected, etc., etc. But for God to send us here... I look at men and women of the Bible that followed God. Sometimes they had to go a long ways to do things that seemed like, you just read the Bible, you read those stories, they were real people. We were real people, and we had to come from there to here to please God. He's rewarded us with a great congregation, our family moving, and things happening, but it took that kind of faith to please Him. So whatsoever is not originate received from faith is sin. Whatever is done without a conviction approval by God is sinful. And so... I've always, in times of crisis, serious decision-making, if you're looking to change careers, change jobs, move to a different city, things going on, you need to do this as your way of life. Always, I found a quiet place away from people and distractions. you got to get away from people and distractions. Jesus said, go to your prayer closet. In Matthew 6, he said, your prayer closet. He said, your father which sees in secret will reward you openly. 
will reward you openly. And so I go to my prayer closet, a quiet place, and not just one time as much as it takes to I know in my heart. And I open my heart, my Bible, to this verse. I go to Romans 14.23, Amplified. I open my heart, my Bible, to this verse, and I seriously talk to God. I let Him have access to my heart. I let him have access to my heart. I remember one time years ago, we're closing, but i got to say things to help you. I know one time years ago, there's a man of God that had been a pastor, that had got in trouble, and had a great church, and God had me open up my church for him to come to my church and work with me. Going to start off as my business administrator. And I was getting him restored to ministry. He knew, and I knew, that God wanted him to get started again, baby steps to get back into full-time ministry again, starting off as a business administrator under a man of God that was having a successful ministry. And so I had hit this man and his wife sit down in my office, be a Mrs. Pastor, and he knew God wanted him back in the ministry. We knew it too. And so we sat there, and we talked, and I said, I can pay you this much right now to get you started. And his wife looked at him, said, we can't afford that. We've got to have more than that because of the lavish lifestyle they've been living. And he never has to this day. That was 25 years ago. He's never back in ministry yet because it didn't take time to get alone and see, is this the plan of God? They could have done that. And because that they missed God's best, what I've said is this. When you base every decision on life, can we afford that? If you want God's best, you can't afford not to. When I left Indiana to come to California, I gave my car away because there was good baggage to carry out here behind the moving truck. I gave my car away. We gave most of our goods we'd accumulated for 40 or 50 years. I mean, we had a lot of stuff. What we put on the truck, we put. We came here. I was out here pastoring this church, I think, for two or three weeks before I even got a salary. All the way out here to California, I get a call from the people at the church at that time that were in charge of the church for hiring and stuff like that. And they said, we found your house. Well, we were halfway here. We found your house to take that moving truck up to. We said, well, good. They said, do you want to know your phone number? I said, yeah, that'd be nice. That's when we still had phone numbers in houses. And so what I've said is this. We knew in our heart of hearts that what we were doing was originating, proceeding from God. We knew that what we was doing was going to please God by leaving that and coming here. There's things I could have done back there or other places. We knew that. So I'm telling you for your life, if you want this kind of life we're talking about, where Jesus said, when the Son of Man comes, we find faith on the earth, you at decision-making times have to lay the head aside. Because, by the way, would you call having a 10-acre ranch now? Lots of good stuff out there. Almost paid off a pretty good reward. Somebody that left Indiana 14 years ago and had nothing. What? And so anyway, I ask myself those questions and make my decision based upon these two things from this birth. Can I do this in faith? Because what's ever not a faith is sin. Does this originate, proceed from faith? And then number two, I say, Father, are you approving this? Whatever is done without a conviction of approval by God is sinful. Is the job you're about to take in your heart of hearts, do you know it's God? 
Is the car you're about to buy and go to debt for, in your heart of hearts, does God want you to drive the old junk for a while yet and wait for the new? Is the house move you're about to make, does God approve that? If you haven't gotten along with God and find out the answers to serious questions in life, then you're going to still live a mediocre life. And you're going to wonder what happened. Anyway, this is the key to answer prayer, is to be able to live by this kind of faith and knowing you're pleasing God. Does this help anybody? Amen, 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 amen. Let's, let's make some adjustments in life. Well, let's stand up. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.